Explore presents a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a devil or two to boot by Alec and Jan Foreman. and I would like to say thank you for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, do please write to alecjan at gmail.com and do write podcast in the subject line. Thank you. Chapter 9, The Hogger Mountains, 8th to the 14th of March, 1977, Algeria. Tamarasset, we've made it! I exclaimed out loud with relief and pride, bouncing up and down on my seat in excitement as we drove into the remote desert town. Yes, we'd better go first to the police station and let them know we're here, Alec replied. Afterwards, we located the campsite, which was pretty pricey, although it did have toilets and showers, albeit rather smelly ones. We were allocated a cute palm-front hut to ourselves. The price included breakfast. Coffee, baguette and jam, which we enjoyed before we began our chores. Alec cleaned the air cooler, changed the broken shock absorber and completed an overall check of the engine and mechanics. All were hot, greasy and dusty jobs. I completely emptied the inside of the Land Rover and cleaned out every nook and cranny, which were covered in a fine layer of Saharan sand. Then I washed our clothes which took all afternoon using my small bowl and bucket. The campsite was definitely the place to meet up with overlanders. The Berlin group was already there. Safari travel group Encounter Overland with their big truck and 20-some venturesome tourists had made camp. The Land Rover parked next to ours had two American guys, two Englishmen and a young Australian woman travelling together. Lots of folk to chat with as we all exchanged travel adventures and news of the route ahead. We were relieved to see Ian and Barbara drive into the campsite later in the afternoon. Their water hose had sprung a leak en route so they had to do an emergency repair in the desert. We worked until dark and then had dinner. Bang! 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 I nearly dropped my plate of food as I jumped at the sudden loud noise. Crikey, what was that? I asked Alec, cowering as I raised my shoulders around my head, looking frightfully frightened. Sounded like gunfire. Nervously, we went outside, and another traveller told us that the locals were celebrating the Prophet Muhammad's birthday. Oh, I breathed normally. For a little evening entertainment, a group of us went into town to see what was happening. Thirty men were gathered chanting and stepping to the beat of a drum and to the sound of a desert flute. Each man held a rifle. At the end of their dance, they fired their rifles in unison, high towards the sky. Flames shot out of the barrels and the smell of gunpowder filled the air. The men moved on to the next crossroads and repeated the sequence again. We sauntered back to the camp and went to bed. I could still hear the rifle shots in the distance but knowing they were for festivity and not for harm enabled me to relax and fall asleep. It had been an exhausting day. 
After a restful night, we finished the overhaul of the Land Rover and gave ourselves a personal wash and brush up. I felt so much better wearing fresh, clean clothes. Following lunch, we left the campsite and drove west to the nearby Hogger Mountains. We'll have to go back to town again, said Alec. How come it's so badly signposted if it's such a well-known place to visit? We were going around and around in circles, trying to find the right track. An hour passed and we had made no progress at all. Once again, we asked a local person the way we should go. Thank goodness. We seem to be going the right direction now. Alex sighed. We drove for 30 miles into the Hogger Mountain Range that rose up out of the surrounding flat desert landscape. We reached an escarpment and gazed all around at the 360-degree panoramic view of the rugged, sandy-brown, rocky peaks. In the distance was the table mountain called Aka Aka. Shortly after making camp, a green Peugeot with German registration plates drove up the track. The driver got out and asked if he and his wife could stay alongside us. No problem, I replied. They too had made a successful crossing of the Sahara Desert, but in their saloon car. Their arrival was to our good fortune when they invited us to join them for supper. Smoked sausage, cheese, soup, bread and lemon tea. Delicious. We sat on conveniently positioned warm, flat rock boulders and watched the captivating changes of the magnificent vista before us. The orange and red fiery glow of the sun radiantly showed off an ever-changing theatrical light show. Finally, the sun slipped away behind the mountain silhouettes and down below the horizon. The black mantle of the night shrouded us in darkness. Nature then gave us another spectacular performance as the illuminated full moon took position high in the sky with a supporting cast of thousands of sparkling stars as far as the naked eye could see. A shooting star gave us an extra thrill, and then another, and another. Sweet dreams. We were up at five to see the resplendent sunrise behind the Hogger Mountains. After breakfast, I made a bread pudding for lunchtime. Our drive that day was into the heart of the inspiring natural landscape barely touched by man. Apart from the stone-strewn earth road, it wound up and down around the mountains, steep here, bumpy there, and at times the track was even partly washed away. Sturdy yellow flowers like giant lupins rose straight out of the ground with no foliage. Turning one corner, we saw for an instant a beautiful white feathered eagle with yellow flashes and brown wingtips. It stood by the road chatting to a black crow. Our noisy Land Rover startled the eagle and it took flight, majestically soaring high into the sky with power and purpose. We stopped for lunch by an impressive rock formation with a giant boulder balanced at the highest point, threatening to fall at any time. With British panache, Alex set up our camping stove and kettle in the shelter of the rocks and we soon tucked into the bread pudding with a mug of hot tea. Our specific destination that day was the Hermitage on Mount Asakram. Alec put the Land Rover into first gear, engaged the four-wheel drive and climbed the steep track. Once there, we parked and walked the final 400 feet up the mountain to a height of 7,965 feet. At the very top, we reached a plateau with sparse scrub vegetation. 
The Hermitage, a stone dwelling, was located there. It had been the home of Père Charles de Foucault, a Catholic hermit. We read in our guide that he was born on the 15th of September, 1858, in Strasbourg, France. He served as an officer of the French army in North Africa. After returning to France, he had a religious experience and in time became a monk. He was drawn back to North Africa, eventually coming south to Tamanrasset and the Hogger Mountains, where he built his house. His close neighbours were the nomadic Tuaregs. We saw a few Tuaregs living up there on the mountains as guardians of the hermitage. Pierre Foucault was sadly murdered by passing marauders in 1916. He must have made quite an impression amongst the local people to be remembered over 60 years later. We entered the hermitage and found a passageway that led us to a curtained chapel, which was quite delightful. A carved wooden crucifix, illuminated by a burning candle, was displayed on a stone altar. Woven mats and cured animal skins were on the floor. In a back room we saw many books, a number written by the hermit himself. There was a guidebook telling the story of Pierre Foucault in several languages. A visitor's book inscribed with the names of travellers from many countries who had come to visit the hermitage now holds our signatures too. The location, high on the mountain, was also used as a weather station. Scientific equipment was mounted on a wooden stand to monitor the changing temperature and precipitation. We walked back to the Land Rover and drove off in search of a camping spot for the night, even though it was only mid-afternoon. We wanted to have time to relax and enjoy the dramatic region of the Hogger Mountains. Alec chose to leave the main route and went along a sidetrack, but that soon petered out. A German-registered Volkswagen van was parked at the end of the track. Alec looked beyond that and saw there was evidence of vehicles going further on, even though much of the track was missing. Our faithful Land Rover chugged along the uneven, boulder-strewn mountainside until we found a secluded level area of land on which to park. A spectacular view from 7,600 feet, as was indicated on the aviation altimeter mounted on the dashboard. The air felt decidedly chilly. A cheeky, tiny mulla mulla bird welcomed us, black feathered with a white cap and tail. He was friendly and fearless, hopping around our feet. He flew up to perch on one of the metal cages that protected the rear lights, bobbing his head as he watched us inquisitively. In that area, the mulla mulla was very common and a favourite of the Tuareg people as the bringer of good news. The next morning our little friend woke us up as he pitter-pattered on the roof. Then he flew down onto the spare wheel and tapped his beak at the back window, insisting it was time for us to begin our day. After breakfast we rejoined the main route to continue on the circuit. It took us all morning to meander through the mountain range and we were rewarded with views of magnificent craggy rock formations. I spied another eagle perched aloft on a natural pillar. The road took us around yet another corner and a lone boy ran out from under a simple grass mat shelter. He carried a basket of handmade crafts to sell. We stopped and he passed the basket through my open window. I was happy to buy a small triangular yellow leather pouch with a red and green fringe. 
A short rounded black wooden stick with a soft point at one end was nestled within the opening of the pouch. Pulling on the carved flat head of the stick, I found the wood was covered in fine black charcoal. It appeared that I had bought myself the local eyeliner that adorns the eyes of Tuareg babies. Later along the route we saw several Tuareg men riding their camels and another group brewing tea whilst their camels grazed. Leaving the Hogger Mountains we drove down to the desert and were astonished to come across the swimming pool in the middle of nowhere. A group of Algerian men were swimming and they invited us to join them, but we declined. By early afternoon our day's journey ended as we parked up on the sandy plain a few miles from Tamam Russet and enjoyed a lazy, relaxing afternoon and evening. The following morning we drove into the clean town with its well-maintained terracotta mud houses. The main street had open-fronted shops, shaded by an avenue of trees either side of the road. Alec called at the bakery, where he competed with the locals to buy a loaf of bread. It was obviously not cultural to queue. The longest arm with the right money won the prize. As the men jostled each other, I snapped a photo, only to find out later that someone else had had their film confiscated by the police after such a shot. We nipped to the bank to cash travellers' checks and then checked out the local camel caravan park. There the nomadic Tuaregs met and traded livestock over a glass of mint tea. Each dressed in long flowing robes, his head covered by yards of soft cotton fabric wrapped into a turban, revealing only his eyes. The few women we saw around town were dressed in indigo dyed cloth from head to toe. Their faces were uncovered and unprotected from the harsh desert elements. Have you heard? There's no fuel in town and hasn't been for three days. An American girl came to inform us as we visited the campsite. Why? What's the problem? Alec asked. Apparently, the petrol tanker has broken down in the desert en route south. It seems it may be two or three more days before it comes, she replied. In that case, Jan, we'd better park near the petrol station so we can be ready to roll as soon as the tanker arrives, suggested Alec. We found a good spot, having first located a water source to top up our supply. We spent the rest of the day reading and playing Scrabble. Our Land Rover was one of 22 Overlanders' vehicles which were hanging around Tamanrasset, all waiting for fuel. The following day, Ian and Barbara came by and they related the story of their two-day camel trek, which had left them with sore backsides. As we waited for fuel, I washed a few clothes. While scrubbing our sand-stained stocks, I glanced up and saw a marvellous sight coming right alongside our Land Rover. A Tuareg man and woman were riding together on a camel and leading a train of a dozen camels loaded with firewood, a valuable commodity there in the desert. Late afternoon, Alec drew and coloured a draughts board on the back of the scrabble box as I made us both a mug of coffee. A Belgian guy from another Land Rover park nearby decided to walk across to the petrol station Next, we saw him running back to his vehicle. The tanker's in, Alex shouted. He jumped out the back, slammed the door closed and leapt into the driver's seat. Hang on. He warned me as he turned on the engine. With my arms, I shielded all the loose kitchen stuff on the worktop as Alec careered across the rough ground to get in line. 
The coffee slopped out of the mugs into the plastic washing-up bowl where I'd quickly placed them. Well done, Alec. We're fourth in the queue. But we still waited as the tanker pumped the petrol into the underground tanks. Two hours later, the queue began to move. The local transport was refuelled alternatively to the overlanders' vehicles. We took on board 70 gallons, as did many other vehicles, even more for the big trucks. The next morning we broke camp at five to be first at the Frontier Police Office. Another two-hour wait before our exit form was completed and our passports stamped. Then across to customs. Currency declaration form checked and after a quick look in the back of the Land Rover, the customs officer gave us the clearance to go. Finally, we're out of here. Alec declared as we headed south. Now we would cross the desert alone, anticipating three long intensive days of driving to Agadez in Niger. Total distance driven, 5,080 miles. You've been listening to a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a devil or two to boot by Alec and Jan Foreman, presented by Explore More. Explore More is an adventure lifestyle brand founded on the 1977 travel stories of Alec and Jan Foreman with a passion to inspire people to explore more of the world, engage with others and embrace global cultures to ensure a greater understanding for each other and enable positive progression. Discover great products and more on exploremore.com. That's E-X-P-L-M-O-R-E dot com.